the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up this hour, what lessons can we learn about sacrifice and service during marriage? And does God change? We're joined by author and pastor Dr. Jarrett Stevens to answer that question. You're listening to The Common Good. common good on this Wednesday afternoon. A little bit dreary today, but hopefully we'll see some sunshine. At least it's not too hot. Um, You know, you're hearing me, Aubrey Sampson, and normally you'll be hearing my co-host, Brian Fromm, right now. But Brian has abandoned me for the next couple days, and so I don't know what I'm going to do with him. But I'm actually really glad he abandoned me because I am joined by one of the cutest co-hosts a gal could ask for. My husband, Kevin Sampson, is here. Hey, sweetie. How you doing? <laughs> we're so it's glad to be here. here. So great to be here. So glad to have you. So I thought, Kevin, we're going to talk about a little bit about marriage, what we can learn about marriage. But yeah, first, every, I want you to okay. just introduce yourself to our audience who may not know you. Yeah, my name is Kevin Sampson. I am known probably for just being married to Aubrey. That's right. So I made a great choice. And uh, I'm in my 40s, about to run a half Ironman triathlon this weekend uh, for the first time. So excited about that. We have three sons and uh, lots of energy in our house, and I end up just uh, fixing most things most days. You do fix a lot of toilets at our house. All the time. Yep. Um, So, Kevin, what do you do for a living? You didn't mention that. Oh, yeah. I am a lead pastor for a church in the western suburbs of Chicago. And the church is called Renewal Church, and we meet on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at the Ark Center in West Chicago. We would love to invite you if you're looking for a church. Bringrenewal.com if you're looking for more info. Bringrenewal.com. Okay, so Kevin, since you and I are here, a married couple, I thought this was a moment where we could talk all things marriage. And listeners, I want to let you know, Kevin and I have been married for 20 years, and uh, we have worked hard at our marriage. Kevin and I are not, um, on paper, we're not super compatible. In fact, I'm going to tell them this story. But when Kevin and I were in premarital counseling, so we're young, in love, not yet newlywed couple, but newly engaged couple, our premarital counselor pulled out um, some test results. We had taken a little compatibility test and pointed out that Kevin and I were complete opposites on paper. And the funny part is we had opposite reactions to that. Tell yes. them your reaction, Kevin. I was just thought, great, I don't want to marry anybody like me. I'm <laughs> I'm excited about it. So Kevin was thrilled. I actually went home and bawled she my bawled. eyes out like, oh, I don't know. She if cried. We get really married. gave me a lot of confidence <laughs> going in. Okay, here. <laughs> Um, so all that to say, we are 20 years later, we're still, we are still here, We are, but we have worked hard at that compatibility. Yep. I would say we had a, we started out with great passion. We started out with great passion. A lot of passion and we've really had to build a friendship. 
That is a really good description of our marriage. You are exactly yeah. right. Okay, so for the listeners out there who either are thinking about getting married or maybe they're having a hard time in their marriage, because Kevin and I have had years when it has felt like uh, we don't know if we're going to make it. I mean, we have worked yep. hard at this thing. For those listeners, like I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, Kevin, but what work do you think we have done? What? How have we sacrificed in order to make our marriage thrive? You know, those moments when it feels low, we have really refused to allow that moment to define everything right. about the other person. Yeah. And so to remember, I married someone because I love her, Jesus <laughs> loves her, and God has a plan for us. And so in those low moments to you know be able to find some consistency and just say, hey, let's work to a, a better place. And you, you find laughter again yeah. as you continue to... Yeah. Um, move to different places and we've have, the longer we're married you just realize you have seasons totally. in your marriage and and so as you go through like one season however it feels doesn't last forever yeah and uh you start building you know a handful of seasons on top of one another and you realize like wow what a beautiful thing god is doing in our lives so there's just doesn't feel as much ups and downs like why do we get married she, <laughs> she doesn't even know how to play catch <laughs> And the thing Kevin's <laughs> referencing is early on in our marriage, we Kevin's an athlete and I'm an artist. And, you know, that's beautiful again, ideally. But in real life, Kevin wanted to play catch one day. And so we let, went let on, me finish the story. OK, you finish the story. We go out to play catch and I hand her a baseball glove and I'm not looking for, you know, fastballs or anything like that. And. I could tell when she put the glove on, like she got on the right hand, but it was like, okay, this is maybe. I, I had never put on a baseball new. glove before in my life. And we're probably 10 feet apart, and I toss her the ball, and she doesn't move her glove <laughs> to catch the ball a foot. And the ball just kind of goes over her shoulder, and she just turns around, and looks at me, and looks at the ball, and she's like, Am I going to have to like run after the ball every time? And I was like, Just move the glove. Like, then I was like, forget it. Let's go do something else. Yeah, we, we've we never played catch since. I thought he would just throw it at me and it would land yeah, really perfectly yeah, it turns in out the, my glove. you got to move the glove a little bit. you got to move the glove we, a little bit. We found better activities yeah. to do together. Yeah. We have, over the years, we've done marriage counseling when we felt like our marriage yep. was dire. And there have been times in our marriage when Kevin and I have not communicated well because we are both passionate people. Sometimes our conflict can be passionate. Yes. And so that's one thing Kevin and I have had to learn over the years um, to do conflict. Well, I, I think what we've discovered is the way we have conflict matters more than the conflict itself often, because sometimes we can lose our patience and we can resort to name calling and very immature things. Listeners, I'm sure you never do that. <laughs> <laughs> but we've had to learn some of those very basic communication skills. You you don't uh you don't put a wall up. You don't insult the other person. You don't escalate. You take breaks when you need to. You come back to these conversations when you can do it in an honoring way. And some of that, and then like Kevin said before, just genuine fun has helped us. So the hard, hard work and then remembering mm -hmm. of fun has been some of the lessons we've learned in marriage. A lot of let's communicate about how we communicate. Meta-communication. Meta-communication. That's, that's, that's right. That's our last counselor. Gave us that term. Yeah, that's it. That's, it. <laughs> that's right. Well, um, you know, in honor of Brian, Brian would be, uh, Brian has been trying to teach me about sports. You obviously have too, Kevin, since we've been well, first married. I gave up. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, Brian has not given up, and I know that he would be really pleased if we talk sports today. So I thought we would take our last couple minutes here and talk about a big game-changing moment in a very important game last night. Let's play a little bit of that for our listeners. It has been a tenacious defensive performance from both teams. Huge free throws here for Paul George. And that's critical. Because now, if he hits the second one, Suns only needed two to tie it. And they've already given up a free throw rebound before. You can't assume. Beverly's pursuit has to be accounted for. George, who's hit some big buckets down the stretch. Missing that free throw, he's got one more. Crowder and Ayton along the free throw line to make sure they secure it if he misses another. Missed another, and they call timeout. Paul George misses a pair, and the Suns with a chance to win it with 7.8 remaining. Wow. Okay, so Kevin, you watched this game. This is Paul George, right? Yes. He misses these very important free throws at the very end of the game. Yep, and could because have sealed of that, the game, sealed the uh, win. But because of that, the Phoenix Suns won. Do I sound yes. like I know sports right now? Yeah, you sound like you... Are either reading some good notes or you watch the game? I did and watch the game, but I did learn some things. The beforehand. Clippers needed this win. They were down in the series by one game, and they could have tied up the series, and it, those free throws would have won it. Okay, so what happens next? Because I don't know, like, what's the follow up? They'll play again. Okay, the two teams will play yep, again. They'll play again. It's a seven game series, and um, that was game two. That was game two. Okay. Out of yeah, so. First to win four games wins the series. And so when you get ahead by two games, it's tough to come back. Um, but it's it's possible. Who are you rooting for? You know, I'm rooting for the Clippers. A friend of mine from high school is the, they're, he's one of the executives for the Clippers. Oh, so fancy. As I want to root for them. So I get tickets next time I'm out in L.A. Yeah, you better get some <laughs> tickets for me, too. Well, thanks. Well, yeah, I'd love to see the Clippers win. Thanks so much for being here this afternoon with us on The Common Good as Kevin and I do our debut married radio show. Here we are. Stick around. Next up, we have Dr. Jarrett Stevens. He's the author of a new book called The Always God. He Hasn't Changed and You Are Not Forgotten. That's going to be a really powerful conversation with Jarrett. You are not going to want to miss that. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Wednesday afternoon. My name is Aubrey Sampson, and you might already know this, but my co-host Brian Fromm is gone for the next two days, so I am joined by a very special, very handsome co-host, my husband, Kevin Sampson. Kevin, how you doing? Wonderful. It's great to be here, babe. Yeah, I'm glad that you're here. And we have a very special guest with us. Dr. Jarrett Stevens is the senior pastor of Champion Forest Baptist Church. He is also the author of The Always God. He hasn't changed and you are not forgotten, which we're going to talk about today. Hey, Dr. Stevens, thanks for being on The Common Good with us today. Aubrey, I'm so glad to be with you and to have your husband co-hosting with you. This is awesome. Isn't that so fun? Husband-wife team here. That's right. So much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kevin's also a lead pastor, Dr. Stevens. You guys will have a lot to kind of talk about. Great. 
Hey, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and then we'll dive into talking about your book? Sure. Uh, Jarrett Stevens here. I live in Northwest Houston. Uh, and I've got a sweet wife of what will be 19 years this year, this November. Awesome. And then I've got four little girls. <gasps> and they're not so little anymore. I've got a, a 15-year-old about to be 16, a 13-year-old, and then two nine. So I tell people I'm the president of my own sorority house here. <laughs> and uh, these girls are amazing. And we actually just moved to Houston. I was in Dallas for 20 years serving a church there. And uh, just came down here to Northwest Houston uh, and pastoring the great Champion Forest Baptist Church. It's a great church, uh, incredible people. And so we're having the time of our life. Oh, it sounds amazing. And Jared, uh, Kevin and I have three sons. So I feel like okay. I am the the president of my own fraternity at our house. It there definitely feels like that. It's often. definitely yours, a frat house. Yours, listen, yours may be more dirty, but I assure you it does not have more drama. Okay? <laughs> that uh, is true. That. <laughs> That's definitely true. Pastor Jared, tell us a little bit about your book and why you wrote it. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Um, you know, I wrote this during the quarantine. Uh, you know, the wow. whole nation was on a, a big old time out. And so there was no school and there was no going to work. And uh, as a pastor, Kevin, you know, you, you start hearing stories, uh, people that you're serving, they're getting laid off. Yeah. Or um, you've got, you know, this pandemic that hits and people that are getting sick. Some people's loved ones are dying. And so in this time, there are a lot of questions that I address in the book. Uh, that were on the hearts of people like uh, the, you know, the book is broken into three sections. The first section is God is always here. Mm. And I just talk about the fact that God is present in our lives. You know, the scripture says he's a very present help in our time of need. Amen. And yeah, so uh, the first part, God is always here. I talk about how God always sees, he always hears, and he always speaks. Love it. And I think during the pandemic, people were saying, you know, God, are you seeing what's going on? Uh, those that are going through tough situations and trials, God, um, do, you, do you see what's happening? Uh, sometimes we pray and we don't feel like our prayers are getting past the ceiling of the room that we're in at the time. Mm -hmm. God, do you hear me when I'm crying out to you and I have these needs? And, and so I address how God is always present in our lives uh, there in that first section. The second section is He is always working. And so, you know, Waymaker, that song was real popular in 2020. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, God, he's working. And so I talk about in that section how God is always working in our life. And that's the truth, that even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't sense it, the same God that was splitting the seas and the nation of Israel walked through on dry land, that God is still at work today. And so I talk about the ways that God is working. And oh, then the third awesome. part is that God is faithful. And I just talk about how because he's faithful, he can always be trusted. You never have to lose hope. And, you know, the subtitle of the book says it all. He hasn't changed and you are not forgotten. Ugh, and so yep. that's kind of the book unpacked. Amen. What a, what a perfect message for such a time as this. Um, even this morning, we were ministering to a couple going through a really hard time. And I feel like, hey, we know who to buy this book for. Dr. Stevens, yeah, um, one of the things that you talk about is one of God's most important names, the eternal name God chose to use when he introduced himself to Moses, the name I am. But then you talk about how Jesus ascribed that title to himself, giving seven distinct I am statements. Can you talk about why that felt important to share? Well, you know, God always revealed himself in Scripture through his names. We see this over and over again, you know, the classic uh, story of 
Abraham and Isaac going up to Mount Moriah. And my first book uh, that I wrote is called The Mountains Are Calling, Making a Clearer Climb, uh, uh, Making the Climb for a Clearer View of God in Yourself. I talk about these um, the mountains in Scripture and what God does on mountains, and if you study it, it's just amazing, you know, yeah. from uh, oh. Abraham and Isaac to Moses and Sinai to, Jesus, you know, Elijah and Mount Carmel and then Jesus in the New Testament. Bottom line is, you, you think about that story with Abraham and Isaac, uh, Abraham marches his son up Mount Moriah to sacrifice him, and God provides us a ram in the thicket, a substitute, and so he reveals himself as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, and so he's revealed in Scripture by his names. And so I'll take, uh, uh, this is not an Attributes of God book, it is a, a deeply theological book, but, you know, I take the example of uh, Hagar going into the desert, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she's alone uh, there, and God reveals uh, himself to her as El Roi, the God who sees That's me, right. the God who sees me. And so you take a chapter like The God Who Sees, and I use the story, and I try to use a personal story in every chapter to just kind of highlight the biblical truth. And I tell the story of my buddy in college, uh, one of my best buds. He was a roommate. Well, when he turned 42, we had been graduated for 20-plus years. And on his 42nd birthday, he's got a beautiful son, three years old, beautiful wife, beautiful family, 42 years old. Uh, he is on his motorcycle. It gets out from under him, and he's killed in a tragic accident. Oh, and leaves wow. behind a wife and a little child. Mm. And I talk about in there, you know, what am I to say to his wife who has just lost her husband That's and right. yeah. the, the father of their child? Well, you can't really say anything, but I talk about how, you know, I hope the message that God who sees me uh, is comforting to her, mm-hmm. that, yeah. you know, God has not forgotten. He sees, he sees you. The Bible says he keeps our tears in a bottle. Mm. So he sees every tear and uh, hopefully the, the names of God, uh, you know, d- tell us a little bit about his nature, and it helps us in these times uh, where we have these questions and doubts and fears. So good. Jared, you lead a church. Tell us a little bit about the church you lead. It's a beautiful church here in Northwest Houston. Uh, it's one church. We're in four locations all over Northwest Houston. And, uh, you know, uh, Houston's the fourth largest city in North America and one of the most diverse. And uh, that's really uh, one of the main things that I love about our congregation. It's very diverse. It looks like the kingdom of God. You know, the church ought to look like heaven, and our church does. And uh, it's just a beautiful people and uh, on mission for Christ, can-do spirit. Uh, We've been, uh, this past, you know, 25 weeks of the year, uh, and we've already baptized over 300 people. And Amen. so God is just doing such a great work here. And I couldn't be more happy to be serving here as pastor. Oh, love hearing that. Well, again, Dr. Jarrett Stevens is the senior pastor of Champion Forest Baptist Church, where God is on the move, it sounds like. He's also the author of The Always God. He hasn't changed, and you are not forgotten. Such a good word. You can connect with Jarrett on Twitter, at Jarrett Stevens, and stick around, because we're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Stevens next here on The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody, welcome back to The Common Good. If you missed any of the last hour of conversation with Dr. Jarrett Stevens or other things that Kevin and I have talked about today, because my co-host Brian is gone and I'm joined by Kevin Sampson. Hey, hey. If you've missed any of that, you can always find us on our podcast. 
you can always go to our website, 1160hope.com, and you can always find and follow us on social media at Common Good Talk. But be sure to go back and listen to the first part of our conversation with Dr. Jarrett Stevens, who is the author of a really powerful timely book for such a time as this coming out of the pandemic about the always God. He hasn't changed and you are not forgotten. So you don't want to miss any of that. Jared, we're so glad that you're still here with us. And I'm thinking specifically of our listeners coming out of the pandemic who maybe are still struggling with anxiety or depression or fears they didn't have or grief because of loss during the pandemic. And I wonder how this book might encourage them. Well, it's written with them in mind, Aubrey, and, uh, you know, it deals with a lot of the mental and emotional health issues that so many people are facing today. And that's what that second part is about, that he's always working. And so I deal with that. Like, God is always calming the anxious. He's always encouraging the fearful. He's always comforting the lonely. He's always helping the angry. I think that is one thing that is really destroying the church is how angry not just the world is, but how angry Christians uh, can sometimes get at one another mm. or at God because of what he's allowed to happen. And so I deal with that as well. And so, uh, yeah, I think this, I think the book, it, it's, its sole purpose is meant to deal with some of these issues to show that, man, this is how God uh, can, can, can work in your life. And I'll just give you like one example, you know, of maybe uh, encouraging the fearful uh, you know, there's there's so much fear uh, coming out of the pandemic, and and in the, and when we're in the midst of it, and uh, I, I try to note in that chapter that look, uh, you, you know, when when I'm fearful, I always I, t- I t- say in the book I always try to think Christmas, mm. and the reason I say that is because Christmas teaches uh, that God is with us, mm-hmm. uh, that God uh, is for us, and most importantly, that God is us. Yeah, And so think about this, like if we're going through a, a trial, going through a tough time, <clears throat> we're fearful or scared or worried, man, what if we really thought about that? Okay, God is with me, like right by my side, closer than a, uh, you know, closer than a, 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 we have a brother that sticks closer than a friend, that's or a right. friend that sticks closer than a brother, rather. So he's right there with us, and he's for us. Like, God wants our, our best for us. He knows what's best for us, better than we know it for ourselves. And then we have God in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, what are we going to be afraid of? That's what right. can't we face? That's right. And so it's, the, it's that kind of message, Aubrey, that I try to communicate in the book. And uh, I do, I, I really do think it'll encourage the listeners if they're, they, if they're struggling or if they know of anybody, this is something they can grab hold of. And I try to write it in such a a way that it's on a shelf where everybody can get it, right? It's not too high that they're not going to understand. It's not too low. That's just too simple. But I think it's written in a way that will be, you know, people, any regular, normal, everyday person Mm -hmm. will read it and go, I get that. Mm. So good. Jared, it's been a difficult year for church leaders. You know that. I know that. Uh, Are you hopeful for the church? And even as you work through writing this book, how did this whole idea that God always knows minister to you through this past year? Yeah. Well, you know, God's sovereignty, I mean, that's like a warm blanket for the soul, isn't that's it? Right. Like yeah. at the end of the day, if I know nothing's taking God by surprise, and as a child of God, nothing is touching me without first filtering through His holy hand, like I can lean on that all day long. 
And so that's one of the reasons that, you know, there's no reason to lose hope at all. It's because God, God is in control and nothing takes him by surprise. The scripture says, Psalm chapter 115, verse three, he is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Mm -hmm. And so I have a lot of hope because I know that, that God has not um, left his throne. He is in control and he is working his plan. He's, he's the ultimate chess player. Like he can checkmate anybody at any time. And so there's a lot of hope in there. And, you know, as I read my Bible, Kevin, and I'm sure this is true for you, you know, I'll make notes and I'll write out in the margins of my Bible. And, you know, I have out in the margins of my, my Bible two words that are listed over and over and over again. It's these two words, trust and entrust. It seems to me that God calls us over and over and over again to trust him and entrust our lives to him. Mm. And so... Uh, I think, you know, you ask me if I have hope, I have great hope because God's never failed. And right. again, the subtitle of the book, he hasn't changed. The scripture says Hebrews 13, yeah, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. And so he hasn't failed in the past. He's not going to fail in the future. He's a personal God. I know that regardless of how I feel in the moment, or what I'm going through in the moment, he hasn't forgotten me. That's right. He sees, he hears, he speaks. And so that gives me great hope and great comfort moving into the future. Mm, such a good word. Um, I, You know, I'm thinking, Jared, of our listeners right now who are in the thick of it, asking some of the questions you're answering in the book. Does God see me? Why does it feel like he doesn't? Is he ignoring me? Just, I guess I'm asking you to kind of pastor our listeners for a moment For the person who's driving in their car right now or doing dishes right now, and they're just asking that question, God, where are you? I'm praying to you, and I feel like I'm praying to the ceiling fan. What words would you speak over them right now? Yeah, thank you for asking that. And for anybody listening that is feeling like that, I would just say this, a couple things. Number one is make sure that you are living off of the truth of God's Word and not your feelings and emotions. The temptation for us so often is to live off of what we feel. And, you know, if we live off of our feelings, I tell people it's, our life is going to look like an, e, an EKG heart chart. It's going to be up, down, up, down, up, down, uh, because feelings can deceive us. They come and go. But instead, we live off of the truth of God's Word. If I could sit your listeners down and, and draw them an Im- image of a train, if you will, you know, the, the engine that drives our life is the truth of God's Word. The caboose that goes on the very end is our feelings. So our feelings aren't illegitimate. They just can't be trusted sometimes. And for uh, living the Christian life, we have to go off into the truth of God's Word. So we start there. And the truth of God's Word is, and this is unpacked in every page of this book, is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed. He is here for you. So even when you don't see it, even when you don't sense it, even when you don't feel it, don't go off of your emotions. Don't go even off of your thoughts. You go off of the truth of God's Word. Mm-hmm. And as you do that, uh, you'll develop strength. And the other thing that I would say is, listen, God does uh, move. Uh, he does uh, work in our lives, but sometimes it's not on our timetable. And so I would really encourage your listeners uh, to not lose heart, because God does His best work oftentimes in the waiting times. And so I would encourage you, don't waste your wait. God mm-hmm. is 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 moving, and sometimes it's not at our speed. It's not uh, on our timetable, but that doesn't mean he's not working. Trust him in the waiting times, and what does the Scripture say? You wait on him, you will renew your strength. That's right. That's good. Don't waste your wait. 
That's going to sit with me a long time. Pastor Jared, where can our listeners find you and follow you? You know, they can go to jaredstevens.com. Uh, they can uh, go to championforce.org, which is our church website. I'm on Twitter at, and, and uh, Instagram at Jarrett Stevens, S-T-P-H-E-N-S. And uh, any way that I can serve your listeners or you, I hope you'll never hesitate to reach out. Thanks so much for being with us again. Dr. Jarrett Stevens is a senior pastor of Champion Forest Baptist Church, the author of The Always God, He Hasn't Changed, and You Are Not Forgotten. You definitely want to pick up a book for yourself or for someone else. Hey, Jarrett, thanks so much for being with us. This has been really, really powerful. Aubrey, Kevin, I've had a blast with you. Thanks for having me on. Well, be sure to stick around. Up next, Kevin and I are actually going to continue this topic. We're talking about having hope when God seems silent. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson, and I'm joined by a different co-host today. My regular co-host, Brian Fromm, is out for the next few days. And so I have the opportunity to do the radio show with my very own husband, Kevin Sampson. Kevin, thanks for being here. It's great to be here, babe. This is fun. I wish you could see us. Maybe I'll post some pictures on our social media, which is at Common Good Talk. You can find us there on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. But I'll post some pictures because Kevin looks really cute across from me. He's got his headphones on, his little shirts buttoned up. He's not wearing his glasses right now, but maybe he'll put them on here in a little bit. Oh, yeah. Here we go. But we have big smiles. I'm great. Just pleased to be here with you, baby. Thank so you for the invite. So glad that you're here. Thanks for being here. If you've missed any of our show so far, be sure to go back and find us on the podcast. You can just ask Alexa, hey, play the Common Good podcast. Or you can go on our website, 1160hope.com. Find any episodes there, especially if you missed our conversation with Dr. Jarrett Stevens. He's talking about something really important. Um, what is... How do we keep going, really, when God seems silent? And what is God doing in the middle of really difficult times? And Kevin, I kind of wanted to jump off of that conversation we had with Dr. Stevens, because as a pastor, you and I both know this. Kevin is the lead pastor at our church, Renewal Church, and I'm on the preaching and teaching team at Renewal. Um you know, there are times as pastors when, you know, you're celebrating weddings and you're celebrating you know, the birth of new babies and you're doing these incredible uh, celebratory moments in people's lives. But then, of course, there are heavier moments in people's lives that as pastors we sort of walk into and say, this is holy and this is hard. And um, this is sort of that it's really one of the great honors of being a pastor to walk with people through their difficulty, but one of the most difficult things to do as a pastor. And um, this morning you walked through a couple going through something difficult. I won't share their story here on the air, but um, I I just thought it might be interesting for our listeners to hear you talk about as a pastor, what is that like when you're walking with someone going through something really difficult? What is it like for you? And then how do you actually offer them hope? So, yeah, thanks for that, that question. I, even as I'm thinking about answering it, I'm sure there's somebody or some people who are listening who uh, right now may be walking through something incredibly difficult, mm-hmm. may have wounds that um, feel incurable. Yeah. And so even as I talk about these things, I, yeah, I realize this isn't just a, um, yeah, there's. I want to minister to you, to people who, who may be listening in hard okay. circumstances. I, I, I think the the first thing is to really, part of it is just just the privilege that anyone would want to call me um, to to enter into some of the hardest moments of their life is 
is in a little way, it's it's a strange grace, mm. you know, that um, I think that, yeah, it just feels like, okay, uh, we got to take this, that God is already working. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think to really understand, even if uh, anyone's angry, they're just sad and broken and to even reach out for a pastor or, or even to any any emotion ag- against God or just frustration is actually a sign that God is already at work. Mm, explain that a little bit. Um, you, if you wouldn't care, uh, you wouldn't have any reaction towards God, um, whether it be anger or excitement or frustration, or you wouldn't shake your fist at God if, if God already wasn't already there. Um, if you just, if you weren't angry towards God, you'd be apathetic. You, it would, mm. the thought wouldn't even cross your mind. That's good. And so, yeah. So even just already entering, preparing to enter into those spaces, you're, you're just, you want to just give people space to be where they're at, um, in that moment. Uh, and so like with this couple, what they were going through, the first thing I just said to them is wherever you're at right now is right where you need to be. That's good. And if you're angry, uh, you're sad. And then I just kind of allow allow them to kind of then take the lead. So we ended up crying a lot. Mm. And and if you need to cry, then then cry. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they express some anger, and so yeah, just kind of got to allow them, just justify their anger. Yeah. Um, and then there was there then to really try to help. Um, then begin to take steps just for the day, one day at a time. That's good. And how can I really help them take a step today that will, you know, lead to, to really, it, for this couple is a lifelong, it'll be a lifelong process of grieving. Mm. And so what do they need to do today to, um, and then I really just help them take that step. And, yeah. And so that's part of what I do. That's good. Is it difficult? Um, you're carrying someone else's um, heartache. Is it difficult then to move out of that scenario and then just go about the rest of the day? How, I, I mean, compartmentalize feels like kind of a sterile word, but how do you then move into like now you're in the studio with me and you had a very emotional morning. How do you kind of move from one thing to the next as a pastor? Yeah, so those kind of moments are just a lot of like emotional health for my. There's just a lot of regular work that I okay. just need to do because there, there is a lot of emotion that I could be in and out of with other people, and so just the ongoing, you know, taking care of my own soul. Yeah. Um, but then, like today, I was in that and in the midst of that with that couple, and then I actually I'm training for a, a half Ironman, Iron Man, right. and so I went right from that and I went swimming um, okay. at the pool. So. And then just swimming in the pool just gives me space to kind of, you know, process, pray, and then move move on to what what the Lord has next for me in the day. Yeah, so that's good. So yeah, that's. If um for any you know we have a lot of pastors that listen to the show, Kevin, and other church leaders, ministry leaders, and really just followers of Jesus. If they're walking through a hard season, or even if it's not a tragic season, but maybe a burnt out season, like you were just talking about self care, how um in what ways do you find self care, and how would you encourage someone else? Like, hey, this is important to do. Why should you do it, and what should you do? Yeah, there is no. I think as a pastor, you you experience a, a lot of things with other people. I mean, that's part of what Jesus has done for us. He mm. took on flesh. 
Um, and so we minister to others in that way by entering into whatever is going on in their life. We're not Jesus, um, right. <laughs> but Jesus uses people and leaders to um, to minister to others. And so, uh, but at the same time, it, just I regularly will meet with a counselor Good. Um, to work through anything that I need to. So in any situation I'm in, I want to be able to know like what's mine and what's theirs. And so hmm. I, I'm able to be able to d- distinguish that. Because I, what I think so often, especially when you start to head into burnout, you start to project whatever's going on in your own life upon other people. And you kind of get in the way of just being able to minister to them yeah. um, from a pure heart. And yeah. So connecting with a counselor, I've, I've found for me, I just need a, a hobby that... Yeah, a hobby that's and you, and totally by the way, listeners, when Kevin separate. says hobby, he means Iron Man. Like he's he doesn't mean he's like picking up scrapbooking. You're literally training for like triathlons and Ironmans. That's your hobby. Yeah. So for me, physical exercise and uh, yeah, kind of just adventure and just intense exercise or whatever, like uh, an Ironman, is incredibly restful mm. to me. So when I feel like I'm carrying all this other stuff throughout the day. I go for a long run or a long bike or I'll go for a bike for the weekend. And that, for whatever way God's wired me, that's the way he's made me. So I just I kind of am able to compartmentalize and, okay. and pay attention to what's going on in my own life. Yeah, Not everybody has to do it that way, but right. I think you have to find some way to – It's the principle is really just find ways to invest in yourself right. and in your own soul. And that's just – for whatever reason, that's, uh, that's your thing. Yeah, I mean, I I learn lessons about myself through all those strange things that you look at me cross-eyed for doing. <laughs> no, I'm a very supportive. I wore a Team oh, Kevin yeah. T-shirt. Yeah. I'm very supportive. But anyway, that that self care gives you what you need to help other people in their seasons of pain and difficulty. So thanks, Kevin, for sharing that with us. Hey, coming up, we actually have another special guest from Renewal Church coming. Our executive pastor, Daniel Saez, is here. I'm going to interview Kevin and Danny about the multi-ethnic church, about leading church, about going after visions that God has given you, even when it seems really impossible and really, really difficult. So be sure to stick around for that. You've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Coming up this hour, we're talking about the power of the multi-ethnic church, and we're covering some good news. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson, and I am joined by a very special co-host today, Mr. Kevin Sampson. Kevin, can you say hi to everybody? Hello, Aubrey. It's great to be here with you. Thank you so much for having me. My normal co-host, Brian Fromm, is out for the next couple days, so I'm bringing in some friends. Brock, Kevin, tomorrow we're going to have Hannah Gronowski, actually Hannah Barnett now, married to Aaron Barnett, good friends of ours. They'll be talking about ministry to Gen Z and the next generations. You are not going to want to miss that. But today I have brought in another very special friend, the executive pastor of Renewal Church, Mr. Daniel Sayas. Danny, can you say hi? Hey, it's an honor to be here. So this is really fun because this is like a Renewal Church takeover on the Common Good this afternoon. And I feel really excited that I get to talk to both of you specifically specifically about the value of the multi-ethnic church. Because at Renewal Church, mm-hmm. we have a multi-ethnic vision where a church that is committed to making disciples who make disciples for the glory of God and the good of the neighborhood. And we see the primary way 
um, of that playing out is through a multi-ethnic movement of God, which can be confusing to some people or can be like a little weird for some people or some people are like, yes, I'm in. I totally get that. But Kevin, for um, listeners who may not understand what it means to have a multi-ethnic church, would you just tell us maybe what that is and then why did God call you specifically to this? Yeah, what is it? It's a little bit self-explanatory. Uh, we we are pursuing um, a, a vision where there are, everyone's going to people are going to look different, sound different, and come from different places. And it, it really comes from um, it's God's idea. Uh, at the end of all things in the scriptures, the most clear picture we see of of heaven and when Christ returns is uh, people from every nation, tribe, and tongue worshiping. Uh, Jesus Christ around the throne. And we really believe that God is calling us to a picture of that now. And so that's, that's where it comes from. And, and we see, so you see so often in the scriptures where there is, where the gospel is being preached, like in Ephesians one, right on the heels of it, there always is this uh, unification of Jews and Gentiles. And so we believe the, one of the primary fruits of the gospel is breaking down, um, dividing walls and building uh, multi-ethnic, multicultural relationships. And so that's what we're pursuing. So good. So Danny, um, I, w- I have a specific question for you, but before we go into it, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? They got to meet Kevin earlier in the hour, but we haven't gotten to meet you officially. So who is Danny Saez? Well, um, I I was Born in Ecuador, but uh, Chilean father, uh, Ecuadorian mother. And uh, f- I grew up in different communities around uh, mainland Ecuador. But in when I was about 10 years old, we moved to the Galapagos Islands, which, which is part of Ecuador. And that's where I spent my teenage years, uh, did a year of college here in the States, and then uh, finished up in, in Chile. So was growing up in the Galapagos Islands as like idyllic as it sounds, it sounds amazing, <laughs> by the way. Well, uh, if I would love to hear from anybody from the Galapagos who's listening, which, uh, you know, there's so little, so few of us who have had any, any contact with, with that, those islands that, um, I would be thrilled to meet somebody uh, yeah. that's here in the States, you no, know, right? Um, but the thing with uh, Galapagos is that it is just such an attractive place for scientists, uh, you don't go there necessarily to spend a relaxing okay. vacation, okay. Uh, which you know at the beach there there are those things. Yeah. Uh, but the but its primary reason you go there is to see firsthand, in my opinion, God's creation. Gotcha. Uh, it's just so um, untouched by man, mm-hmm. uh, wow. and see the beauty like. You you can literally feed birds from your hand like that that <laughs> wow. that can so, that happens like so wild ideal. wild bird. I mean not it's not advisable that you do that but yeah. you know you see uh, giant tortoises just roaming around the farms amazing uh, um, you know so all these things you just see them and and it's unfortunately it's quite expensive to go there but <laughs> but uh, yeah day. but it's an amazing an amazing place we need yeah. to take a church trip there one day all right so Danny the question that I wanted to ask you is for folks who may not understand the value of a multi ethnic vision for a church like Renewal, what would you say to them? Um, well, it, it's the value is is, is this. I, I would say that there is, um, as, as Kevin was saying, it's a biblical mandate. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a biblical mandate. Um, and and it's, it's not, as, as Kevin was, was talking, I was thinking, why wait to heaven? 
mm-hmm. uh, to become that. I mean, we don't wait to heaven to start following Jesus right. in, and his way of living. Right. We don't wait until heaven until we start reflecting the values of the kingdom. And this is certainly a reality of the kingdom of heaven. And it and, and when we pray, Lord, bring uh, may your may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, then then yeah, it is a biblical mandate. That's right. Uh, and I've often heard, you know, uh, people saying that, oh, it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. And uh, one time I heard an Australian say that uh, you Americans are obsessed with being comfortable. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's Comfort and convenience. And, and it just helped me understand so many yeah. things about this country, uh, just along with that phrase. Wow. Um, my dad also used to say, you know, he's like, man, these gringos, they, they always are, are, inv- are inventing all these things to make their life easier. It's so cool. He loved that about American culture. So um, the one thing that a multi-ethnic community is is that it can get a little bit uncomfortable, right? Uh, and so, but is is being comfortable a biblical mandate? Hmm. I, I'm not sure it is. I don't think it is. So, go ahead, get uncomfortable, good. and 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 dive in, and 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 it's a ma- it's a long life journey. It's a beautiful, enjoyable, enriching journey uh, to just. Embrace people from that are different at you. It's so it's it's amazing. That's so good. And so, Kevin, um, I would love to hear the same. The, I would love to ask you the same question for anyone who might not understand the value of a multi ethnic church vision like at Renewal. What do you say to them? Yeah, I so f- from personal experience, um, I have grown as a follower of Jesus Christ, and I I feel like I've experienced who Jesus is in far greater ways because of uh, people, friends uh, from other cultures and, and who have lived uh, a faithful life in other places around the world. That's and good. so just for my own um, understanding and experience of who Jesus is, I ca- we can't do that apart from, um, you know, my good friend, executive pastor, Daniel Saez, you know, <laughs> born in Ecuador, Chilean father, grew up on the Galapagos Islands. Like there's something that Jesus, um, about who Jesus is that that I get to experience because of what God has done in, in his life. And and I think you, you start to multiply that on, on other cultures and, and races and ethnicities and their experience. And when you really begin to engage in that with people, it just... Uh, we the glory of God becomes greater, and so mm. that's where I've ex- just experienced so much value yeah. uh, of a multi ethnic church, where see the way God works that's all good. around the world. That's good, Danny. We have just another minute left, so this is going to be a big question in a short amount of time. But um, how important is it in a multi ethnic church, or for anyone who who values multi ethnicity, to have leadership that represents different cultures, different? Uh, nations, different tribes, different tongues. How important is that? Well, I remember feeling uh, as a, mi- a minority. The very first time I had that I released as an ethnic minority, I was in, in the state of Washington, a 4th of July celebration. Mm-hmm. And my 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 best friend at the time was uh, from New Zealand. And we walked into the celebration. We were having fun with friends. And we looked around and we're like, dude, like, we are the only like people of color here, like we're the only ones that are non-white, and 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 it was it was fine. We loved it. We we didn't feel uncomfortable at all. But it was, it. it but when you see like in church where all those walls of separation are supposed to be broken, and and you don't see that specifically, it, mm. it's it's you feel a little bit uncomfortable, especially. Mm. 
Uh, I haven't experienced uh, much of that, but I know that many uh, uh, of my brothers and sisters of people of color have experienced uh, racism and some yeah. some hurts and pains. And so when they walk into church and they don't see people that look like them, um, it it may feel a little scary hmm. and uncomfortable. Exactly. And and you walk in and say. Are these people are going? Are these people going to be uh, hurtful? Are they? Am I going to be invited into their mm. circle of friends? Are they going to invite me into their mom's group? Are they going to invite me? Am I going to be invited into into this community as 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 I am, or do I need to change hmm. in order to fit in? And and here's the other thing: I can't change my skin color. So, <laughs> it, are they going to accept me? Wow. Are they going to trust me? Am I going to get credibility? Is my word mm. word going to be uh, to count my opinion, uh, or is it? Am I going to get judged just because you know? Yeah. And so that is that 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 is those are kind of questions that people ask uh, that that they that people kind of uh, see, and they're trying to they're trying to assess. And a visual is it. it it makes it very clear to you that, yeah. yes, this is an accepting place. This is a place where you're welcome. Mm-hmm. That's really good. That's good. Well, we're going to continue this conversation when we return with Danny Saez and Kevin Sampson talking about the multi-ethnic church and how we go after the visions that God has given us. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson, and my co-host Brian Fromm is out for the day, and we miss him a lot. But because of that, I get to bring my friends around. My best friend and my husband. I almost called you my best friend and my boyfriend. My best friend, my boyfriend, my husband, Kevin Sampson is here. What's up, girlfriend? (laughs) I'm here. And then we are joined by our executive pastor at Renewal Church, Mr. Danielle Saez. And it has been so great to have you guys. If you've missed any of the show so far, especially the first part of our conversation around the multi-ethnic church, go back and find us um, online, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. You can go to our website, 1160hope.com, or you can just shout at Alexa. Hey, Alexa, play the common good, and she'll play us for you. Uh, Kevin and Danny might even stop by your house if you want them to. So um, we could have, they could do the show live. We yell a lot of things at Alexa at our house. We do yell a lot of things at Alexa. Well, before um, earlier we started this conversation, we began talking about Renewal Church, which is a multi-ethnic church, and why we feel like that's important. That's part of the vision that God has given you, Kevin, and part of what we feel like is a biblical mandate for all tribes and tongues to be together worshiping God. It's a beautiful picture of God's multifaceted magnificence when we worship God mm-hmm. together with um, different people who represent different parts of his creation. And so that's really a passion of ours at Renewal Church. And um, Kevin, one of the things we just started talking about was leadership in the multi-ethnic church. And I would love to just pick your brain about the hiring process, because I imagine, and I know firsthand by watching you, if you're going to lead a multi-ethnic church, you need to be very specific about folks that you're hiring. So what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think... Daniel was talking about this earlier, just being able to understand the power of representation. And when you walk into a space where someone looks like you, it uh, it makes a huge difference. Um, so, yeah, in terms of the hiring process, you know, since we launched our church, it's with a multi-ethnic vision. It's always been um, not just are we looking for someone who's qualified to lead, but um, we're looking, you know, looking for a team of people who a diverse team of people. Um, and part of that is to lead others. But part of that is, is um, if we're really going to 
lead a multi-ethnic church uh, as a leader, we just have to embody it ourselves as leaders. And so yeah. having a multi-ethnic, like uh, hiring multi-ethnic team is is as much about really leading ourselves. And, and Daniel and I, as we lead Renewal Church, so much of uh, of, of our leadership is kind of just born out of our relationship. And so the mm. way that we, you know, learn how to live and worship and, and lead together, um, that, that's probably the, that's what other people see. They draw from that. And so yeah, I'm just keenly aware of the relationships that we have as a staff team, but just that the power of representation. And so, yeah, you definitely have people who, yeah, it, there's a lot of obstacles, but, um, well, I was going to ask Danny actually about that because I, I'm sure some of the the criticism is that you're hiring like token. You know, you hear that phrase, you're hiring a token person or um, perhaps it's a, a reversely racist that you're going to pass over a white pastor for a pastor of color. What do you say to that, Danny? I would say that um, hiring somebody from uh, – uh, that's uh, people of color, you should not, that, that would be one step, mm. but, but there are many other steps that you need to take okay. uh, to change the culture. Um, so, you know, you say, I, it's like saying I have one bl- black friend, but, but you still behave <laughs> the same way. Good, you still, you know, you, you, your, your friend is, everything is, I guess, white activities or you're playing golf with your black friend kind of thing. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so, good. so it's, there has to be other steps and, and that is part of discipleship is, mm. and, and you need to see it as, as a church leader, as a pastor, you need to see it as part of discipleship, discipleship be a congregation to, to accept different people that don't look like you and embrace uh, that diversity, to 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 learn how to eat spicy food, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> I know. Uh, He's to, not good at it, is he, To you know, just 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 different things yeah. that you're not used to, and 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 why? Because you learn to empathize, you learn to get to know, and that's how you, that those are the steps to love people. And so, okay. if you don't are able to embrace the whole person. Uh, and that's why Jesus got accused all the time of being a, a drinker and a glutton, mm. you know, just because he just sat down and hang out with people. And so, yeah. and so you need that as part of changing the culture. And so when you when when you just hire one, that one person and everything else around it is is that person cannot make any changes. That person has no power, has very little authority, and has it, that person is going to get discouraged. And there are many plenty of articles you can read about that. Uh, on the hiring process when when there is no changes made in the culture mm. uh, but but yeah and, and see it as part of discipleship that's that's something I could say yeah that's really good do you have anything to add to that Kevin yeah I I think in American culture there's a um, there is a way that uh, leadership should look and it's a very American way and mm. um, and I would say it's also it's a very white way mm. and and I think by uh, expanding how you th- who you hire and and how you go about that um, actually makes us more faithful people um, because the American way isn't uh, oftentimes it isn't the biblical way hmm. and and so I know that yeah the reverse racism or tokenism is just it, it's it's a, such an incomplete picture of of what's actually happening when we're um, as followers of Jesus when we're saying no we want to be open to really understanding and following Jesus faithfully as servants. Yeah, it's good. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking of people who there's a lot of 
especially in the past year, there's a lot of criticism around conversations about race. And what I would say is the other side of this conversation, you might be accused of um, being, quote unquote, woke, which is a word I don't really like. But, you know, people use that. You're you're woke or you're um, you're just. I don't know, progressive, liberal, like people will put labels on this conversation specifically because then they can keep kind of uh, the conversation at arm's length and keep people at arm's length and don't have to meaningfully engage. So um, I guess the larger question I'm asking, and I'll ask this to both of you, but Kevin first, if God has given you a vision where people are automatically critical of it, or it feels really, really hard, how do you keep going after this thing that God has called you to? Uh, I mean, I think it just, it, ultimately comes down to just conviction mm. and do I really believe that uh, this is what God is doing? And, and yeah, so it's just continuing to root my conviction in the scriptures and, and really having clarity with that. So yeah, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of criticism the past year. I would say before that it was just more kind of confusion, like, Oh wow. I don't know why Kevin or, you know, or whoever's really excited about this, but yeah, sure. But, and then the past year, a lot of more criticism. Um, and I, yeah, it just, I think it just comes down to, yeah, really just being able to see that the, this is who Jesus, this is what Jesus called his church to do. Mm-hmm. The, it's the, the gospels Paul says in Romans, the power of God to bring salvation to everyone who believes First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Like there's just the fruit of the gospel is breaking down these dividing walls of hostility. And so in the midst of the criticism, you just have to realize like being accused of being woke, like what I'm woke is a newer term. What I'm what we're doing, what we're talking about is from the ancient scriptures that from 2000 years ago and and even before. And it's like we are not we're not talking about. Anything that's, you know, new this century, even this millennia, we are talking about something that um, God began in creation and and Jesus stepped into as the son of God. And and that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about anything that's new. That's good. That's good. And then, Danny, with just a little bit of time we have left here, how would you answer that same question? If God has given someone a vision and they're critics or it feels really hard, how do they keep going? Well, first of all, who are you serving, mm, right? Are good. you serving the Lord? Are you serving uh, first of all in the first place? Or are you serving only to your, your congregation? And it's I know it's really hard. And I was so encouraged. And I don't know if if Kevin would be okay with me saying this, but it, it's, it he, you know, he had a really hard time in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he, he shared with me a few of the challenges he had. And I was, I was and, and at the same time he said, but the Lord has been with me and has provided and it's been there, it's been his support. And that was, that was so encouragement, uh, encouraging to me to hear that. Um, because as a, as a leader, you don't want to not shepherd your people well. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I believe that when you put the principles of the kingdom, the Lord will be with you every step of the way. So don't, don't fear uh, man more than you would fear God, Amen. I would say. And then um, find somebody that, that, uh, for encouragement that, that aligns with your vision. And, and uh, yeah, for example, I, I'm thinking, I've always thought of, I always, I'm always thinking of Spanish ministry. I'm always thinking of Spanish speaking people. And so last, last week I met, I met this, this wonderful lady and her husband. Uh, and I'm like, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to eat and drink with you. And we're going to, 
uh, push this and, and, and as soon as we started talking she was like well yo voy a hablar en español porque es de sabe que solamente and, and so our, we talked for like an hour and that Love is it. that's the kind of uh, you just have to continue for encouragement and keep building uh, and, it's, and it's on how to move forward part of that is leadership development as yeah. well so if you're not developing leaders I mean it, it, mm-hmm. and hopefully that there are represented as well yeah that's great well guys thanks so much for your time Danny thanks for stopping by this has been such an incredible conversation I like the Renewal Church takeover here on the Common Good listeners be sure to stick around Kevin and I are coming back with a little game show I'm gonna make Kevin a compete with someone else in my life so this will be really fun you've been listening to the Common Good on AM 1160 hope for your life Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Wednesday afternoon. My name is Aubrey Sampson, and my co-host Brian Fromm is out. He has abandoned me. He's left me for the past couple days, but I'm actually kind of glad because I get to bring in my friends. Kevin Sampson is here with us, my very own husband. Great to be here, sweetie. And uh, if you missed any of the show today, we actually had another special guest, the executive pastor at Renewal Church, where Kevin and I lead. Daniel Sayas joined us for a good conversation about the multi-ethnic church and what it looks like to follow after the things that God has put on your heart. You can always go back and listen to the podcast on 1160hope.com or wherever you get your podcast. You can subscribe, rate, and review. We love to hear from you. You can always uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Common Good Talk. We have some fun on the social medias, so we would love to have you join us over there as well. And I am very excited since Brian's not here. I thought I'm going to bring everybody, and that means I'm going to bring my mama. Lydia Travis is here. Hi, Mom. Hi, Aubrey. Hi, Kevin. So happy to be here. You might hear my mom's uh, Southern Twang folks because she's from Oklahoma, born and raised in Texas, lives in the South her whole life, but now she's in Oklahoma. And uh, I brought her on because I thought it might be fun to have a little um, mano y mano with my mom and my husband uh, (laughs) for um, a summer quiz show. (laughs) All right. All right. So we're going to, we've done this before. Kevin's actually been on with Brian. Where I've done some trivia. We did a Mother's Day, we did Father's Day trivia, and now we're going to do a summer trivia quiz show. I'm going to give each of you a question, multiple choice answers, and then you just take your best guess, all right? And okay. we'll see who the winner is. I feel like the only way I win is if I lose. <laughs> Son-in-law and mother-in-law, what? What, what is? what are you doing to me? There might be some truth in that, so you might need to choose your answers wisely, Kevin. So I'm a very poor loser. <laughs> <laughs> I am turning my competitive juices down. That's probably a good okay, idea. Right, because good. I know my uh, Lydia, you'd probably beat me anyway, but that's true. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Okay, here we go. Summer trivia quiz show question number one. What year was the beach ball invented? Is it A, 1938? B, 1927, C, 1914, or D, 1910? Mom, I'll let you answer first. Oh, I'm going for 1928. Is that one? Uh, there's 1938 or 1927. 27. All right, okay, 19, 1927. Okay, Kevin? I'm going to go 1910 as World War I is just being the beach ball. You're both incorrect. The answer is A, 1938. 1938? <laughs> 1938 was the first beach ball. Jeez. I should know who invented it, but I don't. It was Mr. Mr. Beach Ball. All right, number two. 
What is the Guinness Book of World's World Records record for the longest barbecue ever? Is it A, 48 hours? Is it B, 80 hours? Is it C, 75 hours? Or is it D, 120 hours? Kevin? I'm going 120 hours for the longest barbecue ever. Okay, Lydia? Can I, can I, can I go the same? Or do I yes, you, can go, you certainly can go the same. Oh, yeah. You know, we're barbecue country. It has to be 120 <laughs> to win. <laughs> the answer is B, 80 hours. Oh. The longest barbecue ever, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, is an 80-hour oh. barbecue. Oh, we're both losers, Lydia. Yeah, yeah you guys are. Yeah, yeah. 80 on. hours, that's nothing. You know, that's really <laughs> I know. That's just disappointing, isn't it? That's really... Yeah, it is. In the record, really. <laughs> well, you should have a 120-hour one, and, and you can get in. Love it. <laughs> All right, number three. Where does the phrase dog days of summer come from? A, the Peanuts comic strip. B, Ernest Hemingway. C, Sirius the Star. Or D, Bob Dylan. Uh, Kevin, I'm going- what say you? I relinquish it to my okay. mother-in-law okay, who's Lydia? about to speak. Lydia I shall Lydia not speak <laughs> over her. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't wait my turn. You go right ahead, um, Mom. I'm, I'm going with Hemingway. Okay. Kevin? I thought it had to do with baseball, but I'll go with peanuts. Okay, it is actually C, Sirius, the star, because the sun <laughs> occupies the same area as the sky as Sirius in the summer. So, so far, you both are 0 for 0. All right. Yeah, we, we are. <laughs> it's a little bit disappointing. I feel like this one, you might get this one. We'll see what happens. Okay. okay, question number four. Who holds the record for the most home runs ever? Is it A, Barry Bonds? Is it B, Hank Aaron? Is it C, Alex Rodriguez? Or is it D, Babe Ruth? Kevin? I'm going with, because it's wrong, I'm going to say Hank Aaron so my mother-in-law can get this right. Okay, Lydia? <laughs> can, I, can I go ask your dad? <laughs> um, we, if, no, we don't have enough time for that. <laughs> Actually, I was going to say Hank Aaron too, but Babe Ruth. I'll go with Babe Ruth. Okay, Kevin, do you want to say what your real answer would have been? I would have said Barry Bonds. It is Barry Bonds. I'm sorry, Lydia. I was trying to like (laughs) say Bonds, say Bonds, say Bonds, say Bonds. You can answer correctly. I'll get over it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Barry Bonds holds the record with 762 home runs. Hank Aaron is just behind him with 755. A-Rod is 696. Babe Ruth was 714. So he was the third runner up there. Okay, here we go. I think you... Well, we'll see if you guys get this one. I don't know. You've, you've been disappointing so far. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. What is the longest beach in America? Is it A, Long Beach, California? Is it B, Long Beach, Washington? Is it C, Long Beach, Florida? Or is it D, Long Beach, New York? Lydia, would you like to answer first? I'm, I'm going to go with the Florida one. Okay. Long Beach, Florida. Kevin? Uh, Washington. It is Long Beach, Long Beach, Washington. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, Lydia. I twenty-eight miles. That was a lucky guess. I don't think there is. We lived in Washington. You should know that. I don't think there is a Long Beach, Florida, or a Long Beach, New York. I made those ones up. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, I didn't know there were that many Long Beaches. (laughs) There's not. All right, Kevin, you were right. Long Beach, Washington, twenty-eight miles long. Okay, you got to think back on this one. Number six. Where were the Summer Olympics not held? Is it A, Turin, Italy? Or Turin, I don't know how the Italians say it. Turin, Italy. 
B. Beijing, China. C. Athens, Greece. Or D. Atlanta, Georgia. Mom, do you have a guess? Oh, wow. It's Summer Olympics. Not held. Not held. You know, I'm going to just go on a limb and say Athens, Greece. Okay. Samson? I am just going to take the lead big time here and say, uh, is it Turin, Italy? It is Turin, Italy. Yeah. Are you that was the answers? winter. That was, was, a, that winter? That was yeah. winter Olympics. Wow. I'm impressed with your Olympic memory. I'm just going to bury my mother-in-law <laughs> on the air. <laughs> no problem. No problem. All right. That number was a seven. tricky one. Number seven. Where is the biggest water park in the world? Is it A, Austria? Is it B, Iowa? Is it C, Orlando? Or is it E, Germany? Kevin, you may go first. Man, Iowa? Okay, Mom? It was, was it Austria or Austria? It was Austria was the first one. Oh, gosh. Germany? <gasps> you are correct, it is in Germany called Tropical Islands Resort. I'm sure there's a German translation for that, but it's held in an old airport hangar. Wow. I know. Doesn't that sound wow. fun? You can actually look it up online. Tropical Islands Resort in Germany. It looks like a lot of fun. I feel like we should go there at some point. All right. Number eight. We got two more. Number eight. What year was the summer blockbuster Jaws released? Is it A, 1972, B, 1975, C, 1976, or D, 1978. Mom, you want to take a guess? Wow, I mean, it's strictly a guess. I'll say um, 72. Okay, Kevin? 78. You're both incorrect. It was 1975. <sighs> Year of the Shark. Donna. All right. I don't know. I'm not keeping score, so I think Kevin is ahead, but this is the Kevin final is moment. This will this one will be worth a thousand points. So whoever gets wow. this wins the game. All right? Here we go. Question number nine. Which song spent the most time on the number one spot of the summer billboard charts in nineteen eighty five? Is it A, Papa Don't Preach by Madonna? Is it B, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go by Wham? Is it C, I Want to Know What Love Is by Foreigner? Or is it D, Shout by Tears for Fears? Kevin, go ahead. I just feel like singing, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. So that's my guess. Okay, Mom? Well, actually, that was going to be my guess. So we can either both be wrong or both be right. In either case, Kevin, you win. I'll be a good sport. Well, neither of you get the thousand <laughs> points. Oh. Both incorrect. And it was Shout! Tears for Fears. Shout! Shout. Shout. Yeah. What a great it song spent that was. three weeks oh, yeah, in the yeah, number yeah. one spot of 1985. You both have been fantastic sports. You get to take home water bottles and beach balls. Thanks for participating in our summer trivia. Lydia, you're the best. <laughs> no, no, no. No, you are. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for some Good News! Hey everybody, welcome back to The Common Good on this Wednesday afternoon. We're wrapping up the show for the day. I'm Aubrey Sampson, joined by my first time ever co-host, Kevin Sampson, because Brian Fromm is out for the next couple days. Kevin, you've done well on your maiden voyage of co-hosting. How did it feel? Oh, you've made it easy. You're phenomenal at this, and it's great to see you in uh, your element here. Oh, 
so thanks sweet. for having I me. Did, I didn't tell him to say that, everyone. That was very precious, Kevin. If you've missed any of our show, be sure to go back and grab. Today has been such a good one. Be sure to go back and grab it uh, on the podcast, on the website, on social media, at Common Good Talk. We would love to have you subscribe, rate, review, respond, tell us what you think, and um, especially conversation that we had earlier with Dr. Jarrett Stevens and um, Danny Saez, the executive pastor at Renewal Church, came in and spoke with Kevin about the multi-ethnic church. Lots of good stuff today. And my mom called in. And then we talked to my mom and did a little summer trivia show. So you don't want to miss any of that. Well, one thing that we like to do at the end of the Common Good Show is leave you with some encouragement, some inspiring stories. There are so many negative things happening in the world right now, so much bitterness online that we like to go over to our friends at goodnewsnetwork.org and just share some of their stories because they're always promoting really fun, inspiring things. So I'm going to... I want to share one story that really caught my attention. And then, Kevin, you can do one right after me. But um, at the goodnewsnetwork.org, it says this. This grandma turned 90 and had a blast at her princess birthday party. This fun-loving grand had a party that was princess-themed for her 90th birthday. She's a grandmother known as Jima to her family. She had on a, the picture of her, if you go online, a massive pink tutu, a plastic crown. She's beaming in the picture. It is really awesome. That is cool. Isn't that great? Her, I imagine you in your 90s That is definitely going to be a princess-themed party. For sure. Her family organized a throne, a tutu, cake, balloons, biscuits in the shape of her face. I don't know how they did that. A crown and a custom T-shirt that said, it took me 90 years to look this good. So I thought that was a fun story. Do you have one you want to share with us, Kevin? Yeah, there's a story where these co-workers donate their kidneys to save each other's husbands. What? Yeah, this is, it's incredible. Both their husbands were on the waiting list for new kidneys. And these two co-workers realized that they were the match for the other person's husband. That's crazy. And so they... Both these wives donated their kidneys to their friend's husband, and it saved their lives. Incredible. <laughs> okay, that's amazing. Incredible. That is amazing. In Atlanta, just the medical technology is incredible, but then just the fact that they're friends and work together, and then that they, they—that's so cool. Sh- share. Would you part give of their lives. your kidney for me, Sampy? I'd give you everything. Thank you. That was the right answer. All right, uh, here's another one, goodnewsnetwork.org. Googly-eyed trash wheels are keeping garbage (laughs) out of oceans and making people smile. So this is hard to picture without the visual, but basically it's these giant, they almost look like uh, water mills. They're water wheels, and they have these giant googly eyes on them, so they look like little water monsters, but apparently they go around and they pick up garbage. So here's what it says, for years... The ambiguous yet contented face of Mr. Trash Wheel has been an icon of Baltimore's inner harbor. The googly-eyed trash collector has been gobbling up millions of pounds of the city's riverborne garbage for years and led to the creation of several water wheel allies like Captain Trash Wheel and Professor Professor Trash Wheel. The idea for some sort of garbage collector came along from a local inventor (laughs) named John Kellett. He would walk across the Baltimore River, see all of the unabated flow of garbage, very disturbed, and he wanted to find a solution to the problem and so he invented Mr. Trash Wheel which rotates on power drawn from the river's current and cleans up the rivers isn't that That's cool? I love that one All right, do There you have another are story? huge flotillas they call them of just trash 
Oh, and Mr. Trashwheel hopefully helps solve that. Yeah, that's incredible. That's great. All right, you got another story for us, Kev? Yeah, scientists have figured out how to instantly cure hiccups. (laughs) Come on, Um, how? There are some people who, evidently, this hiccups goes on for days and days and days. And then there's people kind of like you, Aubrey. Aubrey will get the hiccups, and it takes her a little while to get rid of them. That is true. But uh, this straw that some scientists have invented evidently is able to cure hiccups instantly um some about the air intake and creating a sound which does something to your diaphragm okay i want that straw is it available on amazon do we know i i don't okay, know we're gonna look that it's, up it's available as a patented product for around 15 bucks. That's all it says. There's no link to where. This is incredible to me. All right. Here's another story. This one's really, really powerful, actually. Oh, it is on Amazon. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sorry. That's okay. All right. Uh, here's a really good one. The world's most premature baby has celebrated his first birthday after beating a 0% odds of surviving. That is amazing. Uh, when Richard... Richard's mom is the baby, Richard Scott William Hutchinson. He was born um, on June 15th. He was a small but mighty contender. When his mom went into premature labor, he wasn't due for another 131 days. Weighing in at just 11.9 ounces, measuring 10.2 inches in length at the time of his birth. His gestational age clocked in at a scant 21 weeks and two days. He was in the neonatal intensive care unit at Children's Minnesota Hospital in Minneapolis. So well done to the caretakers there. His parents were told that he would not survive, but he proved the doctors wrong and just celebrated a first birthday. The Guinness Book of World Records officially declared him the most premature baby ever to survive. That's a powerful story. Anything else, Kevin? This Yemeni fisherman hit the jackpot with $1.5 million find in the belly of a floating sperm whale carcass. Pardon? Yes. Okay, tell us about that one. This Yemeni fisherman, very poor, went out uh, with other fishermen in the Gulf of Aden to earn a living. And evidently there was this floating sperm whale carcass, and inside of it is this, it, this it, they call it floating gold. Uh, but it's this amber grease, a substance that's utilized to stabilize fragrances and perfume. Unbelievable. Just inside it. Anyway, so this guy went from rags to riches. Wow. Yeah, so good for him. Good for him. I wonder what he'll do with his money. Just got a little bit richer. All right, here's one that our kiddos will like. And in fact, our son, we have three sons, listeners. They are... um, 14, 11, and 9, all about to age up to their next birthdays. They are really into video games, and our youngest asked if we would talk about Roblox on the air, which we're not going to, but I told him I would say the word Roblox. It's a a video (laughs) game platform that he really likes. I've said it. Now he can listen. I get the good mom award. But here's a story that our kids will like. Lego lovers will swoon over this new typewriter with keys that actually move like the real thing. The Lego group has revealed the new Lego Ideas typewriter set. Um, It is a brand new Lego model that you can build. It it is intricately designed to mirror the function and tactility of a classic typewriter. The typewriter features a center type bar that rises each time a letter is pressed, 
linked to the carriage which moves across as you type, as well as the plate and roller that real paper can be fed into. So basically, I don't think you can actually type on it, but it moves like an actual typewriter, which is very, very cool. The concept for the typewriter came through a Lego fan. His name is Steve Guinness. He submitted it to the Lego Ideas platform, and they turned it into a reality. Isn't that great? That is incredible. All right, Kevin, you have one more story for us? I got one more. Okay. This is incredible. Miraculous mosquito hack cuts dengue disease rate by 77%. We have lived in a country where dengue yes. fever and malaria we run have. rampant. And we have so both had malaria. We have both had we'll it. talk about that another time on the and air. Yeah, and yeah, I'm just thinking of the amount of lives that are going to be saved um, by... Yeah, they created a way to in, inject something in mosquitoes, which how you do that... I don't um, even know. We don't know, but dengue fever is... Uh, all over in all different parts of the world, but they're able to create a mosquito that um, it no longer spreads. Okay, that is awesome. That yep. is worth paying attention to the news for. Well, we hope that brightens your Wednesday afternoon, especially since it's a dreary one. Gives you some encouragement to keep going, to find good things in life. And we hope you're back tomorrow from 4 to 6. Brian is still gone, but I've got some very special guests. Hannah Gronowski, who is actually now Hannah Barnett, and her husband, Aaron Barnett. Hannah leads a ministry called Generation Distinct. The two of them are pouring into the next generation. We're going to talk about Gen Z. We're going to talk about the future of the church. We're going to talk about what it's like to be a newlywed. And that is a show you're not going to want to miss tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m., But we are so glad that you've been with us on Kevin's maiden voyage as a radio show co-host. For Kevin Sampson, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life.